Welcome to the Appalachian Outdoorosity Podcast, where we encourage you to get outside and keep going outside. Here we will share Appalachian State stories that entertain, inspire, and inform listeners about living an active outdoor lifestyle. Each episode features a story with the goal to get you outside and keep you going outside to improve your overall wellness. This podcast is presented by the Hope Lab, where our purpose is to investigate the role of outdoor physical activity, exercise, and play on health, the environment, and human development. The vision of the Hope Lab is to continue developing the perfect foundation for promoting and supporting outdoor physical activity, exercise, and play through interdisciplinary research. Feel free to check us out at hopelab.appstate.edu. Hi, my name is Becky Batista, and I am a professor in exercise science at Appalachian State University and a self-proclaimed physical activity addict. On today's episode, we will continue our conversation with outdoor professionals about what to wear when recreating outdoors in the cold and rain. Outdoorosity team member Dr. Joy James, a professor in recreation management, interviews Appalachian State University's outdoor program team, who provide more details about types of clothing and the importance of layering, as well as things to consider in a variety of outdoor activities like backpacking and ice climbing. Why have two episodes on dressing for weather outdoors? Because our aim is to have you enjoy the outdoor activity. While discomfort can be part of the outdoor experience, there are ways to lessen being uncomfortable. Dressing for the weather is significant to a person's willingness to continue to try new outdoor activities. And here at Outdoorosity, we are all about getting people outdoors. Let's get to the interviews. These are two experts from outdoor programs at Appalachian State University. We have Bob and Valerie. First, we'd like to know, Bob, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Bob Riddle. I'm originally from Southern Ohio. So grew up in the foothills of Appalachia and have made my way deeper and deeper here into the mountains over time. Now kind of in year four of my professional experience here in the outdoors, apart from graduate assistantships and working as an undergrad student in outdoors, I'm currently here the coordinator of outdoor programs for Appalachian State University's outdoor program at University Recreation. Specifically, some of the things that I do right now is I manage our indoor climbing wall, our outdoor trips program, our Broadstone kind of outdoor educational center. And as part of that is our team building challenge course. Thank you. Valerie, I think I will go ahead and switch over to you and have you tell us a little bit about yourself before I start asking questions. So give us a little bit of information about who you are, what you're doing and anything you think's funny or surprising. Thank you. I am Valerie Pinkevich, and I'm the Assistant Director for Outdoor Programs here at App State. In this role, specifically right now, I work most closely with our Outing Center, where we handle our, all of our gear rentals, trip registrations, and um, items of that nature. In addition, our Bike App program that provides free bike tunings and repairs for uh, the App State community. And uh, overall, I just generally oversee the the operations of outdoor programs to make sure that we are flowing smoothly and providing great opportunities for everyone. I have been involved in the outdoors since I was little, but I came from a family that was not very interested in the outdoors. I went to summer camp and really built up my own interest that way. And one thing that I think is kind of funny is that I don't really like to watch a lot of TV or movies or music or things like that. So I'm often quite ignorant of uh, a lot of quotes that people will talk about or different things. And my first day of my first full-time job ever, I was working as an aquatics director and my supervisor said to me, uh, they were referring to a particular lifeguard of ours and they said, he's a real David Hasselhoff. Now I had grown up in this town and I was like, I recognize that name. So I said, oh, I think I know him. Why would I know him? And uh, it turns out he's like a famous actor and I didn't know that. So 
that's I prefer to spend my time outside and not spend a lot of time with my technology. I know a few people like that. Bob, what is your favorite outdoor activity that you enjoy doing? I know you probably have multiple of those, but if you were to be able to go do something today, what would that be? Backpacking. I really got my start backpacking kind of in West Virginia and through the mountains there. And it's something that I've always really valued because for the most part, it can be pretty low gear intensive. It's certainly a lot of logistical planning, but on a skill level, it offers a wide variety for really anyone to get involved with. It's a great way to connect with folks or disconnect from folks, depending on what you're looking for. So for me, it's backpacking. You know, similar to Val and what she was saying earlier, I don't come from an outdoorsy background originally. I didn't go backpacking until my freshman orientation program. I, I grew up playing basketball, baseball, football. My original thought of camping was taking your 30-foot family trailer to the county fair and spending a week with uh, farm animals. I'm certainly not a lightweight backpacker, you know, kind of a, a quote from a a student staff colleague of mine when I was just getting into backpacking that still always stuck with me is we're not out here to rough it. You know, we're, we're out here to thrive and do the best that we can with each other and with the supplies that we're given. And so I got no problem, you know, throwing some tent poles and carrying a bunch of water and a bunch of food to have a good meal outside. So not on the lightweight side. I love that you're like, we're here to thrive and, and not to rough it. And I think often many people think backpacking is roughing it. And it's just a different form of camping that gets you out in a different way. And, and I love the challenge of being able to carry all that gear. All right. Thank you for explaining that. I am going to ping pong between the two of you. Changed it up a little bit, Valerie. So can you tell us what your favorite outdoor activity is? So if today you could do whatever you wanted to be doing, what would be your choice? Ooh, well, that's tough. Somebody I worked with in college leading trips said it best that they were a jack of all trades and a master of none. And I find that defines me. So I really enjoy backpacking. I also really enjoy cycling, but I really like winter and outdoor sports. So if I had my option, I would like to go ice climbing. Uh, but that's not an option very often. So I'll take cycling or backpacking as well. Cool. And it sounds like both of you, you come from snow areas originally, right? For some reason, I have Iowa in my mind, Valerie. And Bob, you said Ohio, but is it Southern Ohio you're at? Yeah, I'm originally from Southeast Ohio, about 45 minutes from the border, any, any which direction South or East you go. And Joy, you're correct. I went to college in Iowa at Northern Iowa and grew up in Northern Illinois, lived in Wyoming for a little bit and um, between Buffalo and Rochester, New York. So I've seen my fair share of snow. And I asked this because I mean, my parents were from Iowa, but I grew up born and raised in Georgia. So snow was an event in Georgia. And to have snow like we have here in Boone was kind of a new concept to me. And I, I mean, I've lived in North Dakota, but I didn't understand wearing a hat. That was a new thing to me is like people who come from snow know how to play in it. They know how to dress for it. And it didn't stop them from recreating. And that kind of stunned me as a Southerner going, why would you go out in the snow and ice climb? Doesn't that, that, that sounds like it'd be a little bit of a challenge, but having been in the snow now, I can see why people enjoy that. All right, Bob. So how, let's just work talking about cold weather, how do you typically dress uh, for a workout or backpacking in colder weather? Yeah, so kind of a rule and principle I use, and, and this is going to sound kind of backwards maybe to some folks if they're not familiar with it, but I like to actually dress to be cold during the activity. 
especially if I'm going to be on something that's going to be multi-day where I don't have the luxury of, you know, driving home at the end of the evening and getting a hot shower and a hot meal and laying down in a bed. I like to dress cold for the activity. And the reason I like to do that is I want to be just comfortable enough. I can withstand it, but I want to be cold. So I'm not sweating because after that activity, if I'm going to be camping and I know it's going to be cold that evening, that sweat is going to kind of linger and that moisture is going to, you know, freeze in time. So typical rule of thumb for me is hike cold, camp warm. And so having layers with me, but not necessarily wearing all those layers during the activity. Now, during a regular day where I'm not doing multi-day stuff, you know, I'll I'll just pack on as much or as little clothes as I want, knowing I can just simply get in a vehicle at the end of the night or in the middle of the day and go get comfortable anywhere. Um, some of the other things I like to try and be mindful of is not wearing cotton because cotton will retain that moisture. Um, you know, cotton fibers, if we were to draw them microscopically on a board, look like little macaroni noodles, right? And the moisture gets in there and it holds on to it, like all that golden liquid craft cheese you get, and then you just stay cold versus, you know, wearing something that's more synthetic, like an Under Armour or a Nike or any off brand. It doesn't need to be name brand. Anything synthetic is going to help wick away that moisture more easily and kind of keep you drier in the long run and hopefully warmer as a result because of that. All right. So Bob, let me ask, if you're dressing for cold, what does that mean? One Under Armour shirt or are you wearing a vest or how do you dress for the cold on a backpacking trip? Yeah, I think that's going to be dependent upon each person. You know, for me, I'm a, I'm typically a warmer person. I might wear like one layer synthetic base layer. So like Under Armour pants, an Under Armour long sleeve top. And then because I have a backpack on, sometimes I might have a vest, but maybe not. If I'm doing something pretty extensive that day, um, not an easier hike, you know, I might not opt for the best. If I'm doing, you know, some flat trail somewhere, I may throw on that extra vest. My biggest encouragement would be, you know, do some day trips on your own, find out how warm you are, what you can stand, and then kind of build that sense of your own baseline around that. Thank you. All right, Valerie, how about yourself? How do you typically dress for a workout or your recreational activity in the colder weather? So much like Bob, uh, I think it's important to kind of dress for the activity. And, and what does that mean? Well, if you're going to be very physically active, you probably should start chilly and then you'll warm up and not have to stop 10, 15 minutes in to take off all these extra layers. And now your base layer, the bottom layer that you're wearing is now soaked in sweat. So I think that helps, but I get cold very easily. So I dress in a lot of layers. Uh, so I'm going to start with some sort of base layer that's something synthetic, very close to the skin um, that can help kind of keep my core warm. And then I'm going to put some layers on top of that. So on a colder winter day, I'm probably going out in a base layer and maybe a fleece over that. If it's really cold or especially if I'm, you know, maybe sitting around uh, by the creek and enjoying my lunch, I'm going to throw on a, a down jacket on top of that down or synthetic, um, something lightweight that I can carry easily. That can be expensive though. And so not everybody has, has one of those lying around. I did not for the longest time. And so just good layers that you can take that are synthetic um, that you can put on. The down helps a lot because it's lightweight and compactable, but it's really expensive. And so depending on your level of activity and how often you're getting out, 
it might not be something that's worth purchasing for you. Just look for something synthetic. That's come a, a long way in quality and sizes and durability. I think when you think about your bottoms, if it's going to be cold and you're not going to be moving around a lot, that base layer once again and the layer over the top of that, I think it's surprising how warm you can get recreating. When I first started ice climbing in, in Iowa, it was often between zero and 10 degrees for a high with the wind chills, negative 35. We actually couldn't climb if it got below zero because the, the ice was, it was too cold and it would dinner plate um, and not work <laughs> the way that it should when we're climbing. And I would climb in a base layer and a fleece. Um, and that's it when I would climb. I, I would have gloves on and I had like a base layer and a pair of like the swishy kind of running pants. Oh, yeah, I didn't climb in snow pants. Um, swishy running pants were, <laughs> were the best option uh, due to mobility. And I would get hot, so hot when I was climbing. Now, as soon as I came down and I was maybe belaying somebody else, I was throwing on all those layers again. Um, so layers are important. And you talked about hats earlier. I hated wearing a hat growing up in the Midwest. Never wore a hat unless I was like going sledding for hours. Um, wasn't going to wear a hat, messed up my hair too much. <laughs> Then I went to college uh, and determined that a hat was a necessity to be outside walking around with these excessive wind chills. And I think the biggest thing that I really picked up on was going out on some farms in Iowa late at night, 10, 11 o'clock at night in January and December. And we would ride the ATVs around to go check trail cams or different things. My friend would always wear two hats. And it was amazing what two hats can do when the temperature is around zero degrees and the wind chill is significant and you're riding on ATV. So hats really do make a difference. If you can keep your head warm, the rest of your body will stay warm. Yeah, I, I discovered the same thing in North Dakota. First, that you could sweat in snow, which was absolutely absurd to me as a Southerner. Like, what? This is cross-country skiing for me. And then uh, the hat thing really helped me. So do you guys have different types of hats like you do gear for different weather? Oh, yeah. Except where I'm from, and I think y'all are referring to what we call a toboggan. So like a wool hat or, you know, a cotton hat that covers the ears. Uh, yeah, I wear like a toboggan or something like that if I'm like sitting around outside all day. But my head, like I sweat through my head very easily if I'm hiking. So typically like during the day, I might just wear a regular ball cap, to be honest. I also have a lot of hair and my hair is super thick. Like I constantly, when I do get my hair cut, have to get it like thinned out. It's so thick. So for me, a regular ball cap usually does it. And then kind of a toboggan or a warmer winter hat, like in camp. Certainly I uh, went from owning no hats to one hat to too many hats. Um, and I have some really thin hats that I wear when I'm biking and it's cold. I put them under my helmet. Um, so it's enough to keep me warmer, especially with that breeze from biking. Um, but fits under the helmet well. And then I have like a fleece hat is really good. Once again, that's synthetic. Um, but fleece, depending on how it's made, it can allow a lot of wind in. So I also have uh, like a thick wool hat and some of them are fleece lined. So there's definitely different options. I think for the Boone, North Carolina region, a decent like fleece hat is probably a good option for being versatile. You mentioned something else. Wind is another factor in some cases, particularly with cycling or it's a windy or rainy day. So the other thing I just wanted to ask you guys, do you have a preference for rain gear? Do you wear pants when you're backpacking like the rain pants or we've talked about being hot. So what kind of rain gear do you have to keep yourself dry? Or do you like sometimes I even find I don't even wear it and I just put dry clothes on later on. 
I think it certainly can depend on the temperature. If you're backpacking somewhere really hot um, and it's raining, you're going to get pretty warm in your rain gear. I do carry rain pants with me most of the time. Personal preference that, that I just have found I enjoyed, particularly the convenience of being in camp and being able to be in my dry clothes, but like sit anywhere. And it didn't matter because I was wearing rain pants. So I have found that to be, for me, worth the wait when I'm backpacking. I'm not a lightweight backpacker. I definitely like bring all the things that I think are going to be helpful for me as long as I know I can carry the weight. And maybe a quick story about the importance of rain gear during bad weather. I was backpacking in New Zealand. We're going up to a mountain. Don't honestly remember what mountain was. The rangers had recommended against it that day because of the weather, but we were only there for two days. This was our chance. So there were five of us and we started heading up. Well, it's pouring rain and people were getting really, really hot. So they took off all their rain gear. Now I kept my rain gear on, having a little different education and background on what we were doing. Couldn't convince them to do so. We ended up having to turn around and come back down because one of the girls got hypothermia. She had gotten so warm, she took off all her rain gear. But then with the rain, she had gotten so cold, we couldn't warm her back up. We had to come back down um, to go back to the lodge and, and warm her up. Bob, do you have a story about cold weather or rainy weather or a weather story that you could share with the listeners? Yeah, 2013-2014, I was leading a trip to Utah, and we were actually southwest Utah in the desert. We were going to be doing the Green and Colorado River backcountry canoeing trip in May. And typically in May, it's 90 plus degrees in southwest Utah. And for some reason, during this entire trip, there was only one day it didn't rain. Um, It was not when we were canoeing, that's for sure. Um, It was actually about 50 degrees. And so based off the temperatures and planning that we did as a group, a lot of people didn't pack winter or colder weather clothing. And the night before, during our pack out, before we put on the river, we actually had a, a massive rain and lightning storm come in and actually flooded camp and most of the people's stuff. As a result of that, people were pretty ill prepared. We actually had the kind of postpone the trip a little bit and make a leadership decision as a crew. And we put on the river a day later in order to help get people's clothes dried. Because like Val said, going into an experience where maybe you are getting more wet and being exposed to hypothermia and the situation that she just talked about, we were very well aware that had we put on that day, we would have likely have had multiple people that would have been hypothermic. Because in canoeing, you're sitting a lot. You can be paddling a lot, but you're you're sitting a lot. And so it's even less active than climbing up a mountain in New Zealand. So for us, it was kind of a decision on that. And we actually took everyone to a laundromat and got all their clothes dried before we continued on with that trip. I think both these stories illustrate the importance of clothing, but at the same time, recognizing that sometimes we have to make decisions based on the need of the group and what's in their best interest. So I, I appreciate hearing the different angles of that. I remember I've been in one where there was a group of us that had dry clothing and there was a group that didn't. And so we literally got all our dry clothes, put it in the tent and then let the other participants who are wet get our clothing on. So I mean, I've shared my clothes with people. It's weird to see someone wearing your clothes around the campsite. It's like, wait a minute, that's, I have what, oh, it's mine. <laughs> I love that camaraderie and community building that we, that we have. I am going to ask a more personal question. Underwear, is that synthetic for you guys as well? Or how do you guys work that? 
<laughs> I I have multiple different types of underwear. I have synthetic underwear, um, which I love those, um, especially like in the summer and in the winter, to be honest. I've also had friends who live and die by the no underwear rule that are dudes. I think it's personal preference with that. I personally have synthetic underwear, but also in the summer, cotton underwear is not not horrible either. So I went with everything synthetic initially, but there's a lot of talk about for the female anatomy, how cotton is actually better. And so I still wear my synthetic, but it's something I certainly wonder about at times and think about. I definitely wouldn't like hike in a swimsuit. I know some people do that and it's just thicker and it's a synthetic, but the way that holds moisture and different things um, can cause a lot more complications. So I do go synthetic, but I can see the argument for cotton or maybe like synthetic with a cotton liner could be helpful as well. You know, a lot of times I think people just starting out are kind of like, what do I do? How do I, how do I do this? So I appreciate your candor and it, what it comes down to and the discussion that my colleagues and I had and the three of us are having, it really is personal preference dependent on the activity that you're doing and then figuring out what your temperatures and what you run and what's in your best interest health-wise. And I think it is important to kind of monitor that as you're first starting it out because you might realize you're not enjoying yourself and then you don't want to do that activity. Whereas if you're dressed appropriately and having a good time, it's the activity becomes the focus rather than your discomfort. Listening to these outdoor professionals' winter and reindeer preferences makes you really think about what items are most important to have with you when you're active outside. From having something you cannot go without to being prepared with layers, each person provided you with some great insight into how to be best prepared for your activity. I think it's important to think about personal preferences as being comfortable with what you have can also impact what you are doing. Maintaining your core temperature is really a key to staying warm while being active outside. The literature tells us that layering is important to provide insulation and help prevent sweating, overheating, underdressing, and staying dry. The colder environment can increase your energy expenditure and cause fluid loss. Synthetic materials like rayon, polyester, nylon, and fleece, which are often soft, flexible, and lightweight, are great for wicking moisture away and keeping you dry in colder climates. Wool and down are natural options that work well too. In addition, having a hat is important as a lot of heat can be lost through your head. Dressing for weather and outdoor recreation is key to enjoyment. As Bob said, we're not out here to rough it, we're here to thrive. So we have this other segment, it's called The Dirt on Getting Outside. We asked three to five questions and I'm gonna do this instead of ping pong like I was before, I'm just gonna do it one at a time. So Valerie, I'm gonna start with you. The first question is, in the outdoors, what is one of your biggest fears? I think one of my biggest fears in the outdoors is the fear I've had since I was a child. I'm more afraid of people in the outdoors than I am of the outdoors. Uh, When I would go to summer camp and we'd like sleep outside, I wasn't really scared of the animals or anything or the dark. I was scared that there were like bad people in the woods and around for whatever reason, that's just like the fear I've always had. And it's still the thing to this day that, that makes me more nervous. I can be out in somewhere that's very difficult to get to. And that's still my fear. So I always have had that one. What is your most embarrassing outdoor moment? So I think my most embarrassing outdoor moments, um, 
because there's probably there's been multiple of them uh, in in this particular sense would be uh, I drink a lot of water and it's good to be hydrated though you can also overhydrate but I then consequently have to go to the bathroom a lot and that's not always a super feasible option to get off the trail and practice really good LNT um, or if you're mountaineering and you're like on a, a big climb, you don't have a lot of options. So there's definitely been times where I've not gotten out of sight well or off the trail well, and I've had people all of a sudden come along and there I am going to the bathroom, or I know I've had to go to the bathroom in the river because that was the only option. And you know everybody knows what I'm doing. Um, and then you're like, well, it's kind of hard to go now, but that's an embarrassing moment in the outdoors. A couple of years ago, I went on a trip with outdoor programs and I was so impressed with your student instructors or the leaders, because they they did the poop talk mm-hmm. and they made it very transparent and actually fun rather than embarrassing or shameful. And like you said, it's, you made me think of that when you're like, I'm in the I'm in the water in the river and everybody knows what I'm doing. It's kind of like we kind of just go with it. And it it does open up another way of thinking about uh, going to the bathroom. So thank you for being willing to share that. What is, Valerie, your must-have piece of outdoor gear or equipment that you never leave without? What can't you live without in the outdoors? A water bottle. And in particular, I like a hydration bladder that's got the hose and I can just drink water to my heart's content while hiking. It's amazing how quickly I can put three liters down if I've got a hose that can deliver it very easily to me. All right. And then here in the Boone area, what's your favorite local outdoor spot? Ooh, favorite local outdoor spot here. Um, this is a tough one. I like water. So anytime that I can kind of get around water, um, so maybe not one spot in particular, but just a lot of the, the creeks. So Wilson's Creek's got some good swimming holes. Grag Prong's fairly easy to get to and have a good swim, a cold swim, but a good swim. Wildcat Lake in Banner Elk is, it's got a little like swim beach and, um, yeah, they have lifeguards there at, at times. And I, I think that's a fun like outdoor swim beach location that's closer than Watauga Lake or something of that nature. Cool. Thank you, Valerie. So Bob, you get the, the dirt on getting outside questions next. First question is, what is your biggest fear in outdoor settings? I think my biggest fear is actually very similar to Val's. So Val has been to New Zealand. I have also been to New Zealand. When we were doing our backpacking portion of our trip, kind of on the greenstone the greenstone trek um and route also is like hunting territory and actually we're around a lot of hunters that were um under the influence of items and wouldn't leave our group alone actually for multiple days it almost seemed as if they were following us on the trail and at a point like made phone calls to local wildlife officials to kind of check out these folks credentials so yeah I'm, I'm with Val like animals you know the natural wilderness things those don't necessarily scare me in the way that you know some people do in the way that they present themselves at times completely understand and I'd share more but these are this is on you guys so what is your most embarrassing or an embarrassing moment you've had in the outdoors yeah this is tough because I feel like I'm a person who's not easily embarrassed. So maybe this is more funny than anything or a fun just tidbit or story about myself. I don't know how it ever started, but like, you know, jorts were like always an embarrassing thing, especially like in the last 10 years. And, you know, you think of like your dad wearing jorts 
out in the front yard with, you know, some white new balances on. And it just became a running joke as like student staff back in college that we would jokingly just wear jorts on trip. And one day for our multiple day trips, I just started packing a pair of jorts. And so since like 2012, I have one pair of jorts that has been on every multi-day trip I've ever been on. Um, it's the same pair. And my last trip as an undergrad student, I actually wore those jorts the entire trip. So backpacking, whitewater rafting, it just became like this like living joke that has just become this like traveling story of the jorts. That's awesome. All right. So what is your must-have piece of outdoor gear that you can't live without? So considering, you know, we're talking a lot about outdoor gear and specific to winter for me, I'm a very warm person, but my feet and extremities get very cold. And for me, it is socks. And it is a lot of pairs of wool socks. Pro tip, always keep a pair of like really thick wool socks in your sleeping bag if you're sleeping every night and just only devote them to like sleep. Just the putting on that one fresh pair of clean socks at night when you roll into your sleeping bag is like that feel good, cozy comfort um, just helps put you right to bed. Awesome. And what is your favorite local spot? Val kind of like stole all mine because I love swimming holes as well. So I would reiterate what Val said with Greg Prong and then um, Harper's Creek Falls. If I got to get even more local, because those can be a bit of a drive up here. For some reason, I just really like the Rich Mountain Carriage Trail because it has some variety because you can start there at the pond and be on crushed gravel, but eventually make your way up into the pasture. And for me, I grew up in a farm in Southern Ohio raising cattle. And so to sometimes just walk up to some cattle out in the middle of the field is kind of nice and takes you back a little bit. Cool. I was, I was just out there today hiking. It, it gives you, it's, it's a quick hike, but without the roots and the rocks. And like you say, you come across cows and other things. So a couple things uh, before I wrap this up, just wanted to mention the listeners. Valerie talked about LNT or leave no trace. And I know outdoor programs has some programs on that. And we may even do a podcast eventually on leave no trace. And it's really how to when you say how to not behave, but ethics for the outdoors, how would you guys say leave no trace? What's a one minute version of leave no trace that you would share with the listeners? Leave no trace are the, the outdoor ethics that you want to participate in when you're recreating outside, whether it's just at a park right in your town or community or in the back country that will help keep the place more pristine and ready for other visitors to come and have the same enjoyable experience that you were able to have. Thank you. My cat's telling me it's time to be done with this. She wants to be fed. So the other part, I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to showcase anything you wanted to say about outdoor programs in terms of getting other students involved or staff or faculty, anything you'd like to be able to share with our listeners. So we have our IDP program and what we call our instructor development program. That instructor development program is kind of a year-long process that kicks off usually in the fall um, that you apply for to, to kind of learn to become an instructor and a trip leader with us here at Outdoor Programs. Um, we can go through everything such as the theory behind facilitation and group management and dynamics through risk management and how to plan the logistics of a trip and plan meals and plan routes. 
um, as well as all the technical skills that go into activities such as rock climbing, backpacking, whitewater kayaking, whitewater rafting. Um, and those are things that you don't have to have any skill prior coming into. The instructor development program is beginner, like zero to little to advanced skill possible to get in and be a part of that. And then we do now have a custom trips program. So you may not wanna sign up with a bunch of random folks and go on an open enrollment trip somewhere. But let's say you live together with some folks or you're part of this community that gathers regularly and you've kind of developed that small pot or bubble. You can actually work with us to create your own custom trip in which our guides will help lead you in that expedition. And gear rentals too. We're offering what we always have and we're still offering outdoor equipment rentals. So you wanna go have your own outdoor adventure, but you don't own a tent or a sleeping bag or um, those different items, or maybe you have gone camping before, but you didn't bring that with you at college because you have limited space. We offer that for an incredibly reasonable rate throughout our programs. Um, so you can check out the gear that you would need for you and your buddies to go have your own experience. Thank you. Y'all are an incredible resource. And our university, I think a lot of students come here because of the outdoors. And so to be able to know that I as a novice can come in and, and learn as well as rent. And I can also be an expert, learn, rent, um, and work with you guys is really a, a phenomenal experience. And I don't know if you guys noticed in the um, getting the dirt on the outside, it's really like asking some kind of questions that we don't think about as, as people who frequent the outdoors. We enjoy it when they happen. But a lot of people, I think, don't, they may not get into the outdoors because they're embarrassed or um, they don't know what gear they need. So I really, again, appreciate the time you guys took to be able to share a little bit about your own personal experiences, your insights, and your professional expertise. So thank you. Ab State's Outdoor Programs is the place to start or continue your outdoor journey. See our notes for this episode for links to help you with dressing for cold and how to get connected to outdoor programs. Thank you for listening to our show today. Remember, Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass, it's about learning to dance in the rain. Mm-hmm.